0: Welcome back to Grid Iron Campbell, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host Rich Ryan and I'm joined by two members of the collective, Donnie DP Peters and the resident moose himself Mo Nuara. After a 2-2 two, two and 1 record in week 7 of the NFL season, we are currently 18-13 and 4 tied for 596th place in the Las Vegas Super Contest. Once again, it's never been more painful to have a winning percentage of 58% through seven weeks of the NFL season. We've got 20 points in the Las Vegas Super Contest. None of the hosts did very well this week. I had the best record at 3-2, which is nothing to call home about. Mo was two-two and one, mirroring the card that we submitted for the contest. Donnie was two and three, and Bert Minotti. After we were talking about how well he was doing in his own personal top five, goes one, three, and one. Boo. Consensus picks not much better, three and five on the week. We are still picking at 59% for consensus picks, though. 24, 16, and five on the season. Somebody opened up their mic. What do you got to say?
1: I was going to say we should have kept that veto for Brett
2: for this week.
0: know. <laughs> yeah, nice work, guys. And <laughs> Brett not here to answer for his sins. Well, you were sitting here on Friday talking about how the Bills are your squad. And that was, that was the only game where we had no sweat in either direction. It was just over. As soon as the National Anthem played, that game was over. Blouses.
2: As soon as Derek Anderson was announced as the starter, <laughs> that game was over.
0: I'm, I'm I actually. You, I'm starting to think. Ahead. I'm starting to think Texans minus nine and a half was the right side.
2: It wasn't, but I told you, guys. I did tell you I was worried about Marlon Mack and Ty Hilton. Sure enough, yeah, they are those dudes back. Uh, Colts are back to scoring points. Cool. Can you put something on the card every week that you don't have
0: worries about? <laughs> well, that's the please. That, that's professional football, right? These teams are all good. I didn't put bills on. Yeah, that was Minotti. Oh, that was Brett. Sorry, shit. M- Minotti making us you. making us all shout. The Bills make me wanna shout. I couldn't even shout at the contest though. What was there to shout about? We were just drawing dead.
1: We had no shot. I mean, they went up seven nothing early. We were like, okay, the Bills obviously have to put together a drive here, and then next thing you know, it's fourteen nothing. Then it's twenty one nothing, and then we were like, yeah, this is just never going to happen, ever,
0: ever. No semblance of a chance for us to put together any backdoor cover, which is upsetting because, like I said in the pod, the the Colts play this soft zone. So anybody that can just take a three-step drop and make a couple of throws is going to be just fine. But Derek Anderson just couldn't do it. He was incapable of doing it. When I was watching
1: this game, I was thinking about the Bills overall, kind of like the past couple of years, and and maybe you guys can answer this question for me. But where do their draft picks go? Because they have like no one out there, I feel like. Just no one.
0: Well, and that's what happens, right? These teams that can't build from the draft, they're the ones that struggle the most because the most valuable players on these rosters are the ones on rookie contracts, the ones where you're not really paying them, and then all of a sudden you can build around them. That's at any position.
1: If Are they just not hitting on high draft picks? Because they suck every year for the past five
0: years. I, I can't think of one that stands out on either side of the ball. Now, again, I'm not grinding Buffalo Bills news and tape every week, but there there is not a Bills draft pick that is popping out to me as White? as someone who's great. Who's Isn't that? not White pretty good? Just White. You're just going to throw White out there.
1: Tradavius White. Yeah, but doesn't, I mean, I don't feel like he's like a lockdown guy. I mean, Josh Allen, obviously, but he's now hurt, so we can just throw him out the window.
0: I'm trying to see if Jordan Poyer was drafted by the Bills, and he was not. He was drafted by the Eagles. He's one of their better players in the secondary. Uh, Marcel Darius, who's no longer the team? Is that the most— hey, where, did Z-
1: where did Zay Jones go? Did he go pretty high?
0: Yeah, Zay Jones was a—
1: And he's just—he's
0: awful. Was a second-rounder, I believe. Now we're just doing random Bills draft podcast. <laughs> There probably aren't even dedicated Buffalo Bills podcasts that are doing this type of work right now. Yeah, 37th pick of the second round for Zay Jones last year. Not good. Not good when you don't have a base of young talent. And of course, moving forward, they're going to have to deal with trading up for Josh Allen. Although they are reaping the benefits of trading the 10th pick last year to Mo's Kansas City Chefs. Of course, they don't have Patrick Mahomes, though, behind center. Uh, before we get to looking at the games any further, let's look at the Super Contest as a whole. Not the best week to only get 2.5 points. Uh, the average points in the contest was 2.82%, and more than 20% of the contest went at least 4-1 and one or better. No surprise, the consensus picks did extremely well. The top four consensus picks all covered Minnesota, New England, Kansas City, and Detroit. The fifth, rounding out that top five, was Baltimore. They did not cover the minus two and a half thanks to that missed extra point by Justin Tucker. Although, who knows whether or not they would have been able to win the game outright in overtime and cover that number. So, not the best week to go two, two, and one, but Donnie, somehow you remain positive. You keep putting these. Oh well, the top ten percent didn't, too, didn't do too well. But give me some of that positivity. I need some more.
1: Yeah, I mean, l- listen, the, the we're we're still very much in this. I mean, we, we didn't get get slaughtered. The, the Monday night game is huge for us, and uh, we'll talk about that uh, later on. But you know, just getting that point and, and being able to go, I mean. Break even as average as possible. Two and a half points on the week, two two and one, as opposed to one three and one is is massive. I mean, we're not not going to hit it out of the park every time. Um, I I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know I've talked about it with you guys before, maybe even on the podcast before. But um, there's been several times when the winners of this thing have been stagnant for you know the first half of the season, and they just go on a run. So it's just. I feel like this first part of the season is, yeah, if you can get out to an early lead, great, but then you have to maintain that as well. But it's it's more about just not falling off the, off the cliff. And we haven't, you know, we're still in the top 600 of this thing. So we're in the top 20% um, of the entire contest. And if we can just put together, you know, I don't even think it's going to take five and o's like you know three five and o's or something crazy like that which is just very 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 hard to achieve if we can just get together a couple four and ones deal some of those three and two block body blows in there maybe we get one five and oh uh, at some point and then we'll, we'll be right in the mix i mean you see it every time i comb over these uh standings uh, after the week is over you know you see a couple of these guys that go five and oh and they jump like 50 spots um so if we're able to just put together a couple four and ones we can move up a, a you know a nice chunk on the leaderboard as long as we just stay in it I think we have a really good shot at uh, making a deep run in this thing in terms of uh, finishing high up in the money.
0: Jazz remains the leader after a 4-1 and week, 27-7-1 and on the season. The old 79% clip covered with the Colts, Chiefs, Vikings, and Giants as well on Monday night was unable to cover with the Baltimore Ravens. A couple of 5-0s and O's trailing him. Uh, by Personal Gourmet and Pigskin Junkies. They're both at 27 and 8. So definitely some work to do for the boys here. And let's get into the games on Sunday. And one thing that I failed to mention on Friday, because I am a terrible host and producer, we obviously brought up that DP entering the week was 0-6 when picking games that had the New England Patriots in them. But we forgot to mention that he was... 5-0 5-0 and when picking Chicago Bears games. A perfect 5-0. and So this was the old physics question. Uh, I feel like George Bush now, and I don't want to screw up the euphemism. An unstoppable force against an immovable object. Okay, I was sweating there. I, I was really worried I was going to screw that up. And unfortunately, the unstoppable force blew through <laughs> the immovable object because the New England Patriots... Went in to Soldier Field and won 38-31. to We did not cover with the home dog in this spot. (sighs) Where to to begin with this game? We we get really lucky on a special teams play where Cordell Patterson fumbles a punt, but then Cordell gets it right back, (laughs) returning a punt for a touchdown later in that game. Blocked punt, returned for a touchdown, also by the Patriots, but I don't even feel like we were jobbed here because Trubisky is awful through a, a ball to Landon Roberts that should have been intercepted through what should have been a hundred plus yard pick six down in the red zone also dropped by the Patriots DP the boys are back the Patriots are good they're gonna go whatever run the table number one seed in in the AFC congratulations DP
1: yeah. Congratulations. Whatever. I'm, I'm just so annoyed with this game. I don't, I don't really know where to start. I mean, you brought up a lot of stuff already. I felt really good about this game in the first half. Um, but I feel like, I feel like this bears team has allowed us to feel good about them in the first half a couple of times. Um, and then just, not look good at all in the second half of games. Uh, Very notably at the break at the beginning of the year when um, they faced off against the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers got hurt. He went into the tunnel. He comes running back out later uh, on his chariot, and he ends up just taking the Packers back against that Bears team who looked totally shell-shocked and, you know, able to win the game there. Um, I mean, I felt like that they had a decent game plan. They could move the ball against this Patriots defense who has not been that good this year. And then, like you said, Trubisky just made a bunch of errors. I don't really know what happened. I feel like they kind of got away from running with him a little bit. I mean, Patriots against a mobile quarterback is always bad news uh, for New England. And Trubisky, you know, he's getting chunk yards at a time. He was being able to scramble pretty much at will and do whatever he wanted out there. I thought they should have used that a bit more. I definitely thought that there was too much running by the Bears, um, specifically with Jordan Howard. Uh, in the second half, and that that's just not going to work. It's not going to work for them. It's not going to work in today's NFL. It's just flat out not going to work, especially against a team like New England.
0: Forgot to mention, we also had Sonny Michelle get his leg torn in a million different directions, and then him fumble. We recovered that one. So the ball bounced in Chicago's direction plenty of ways in this contest, including the last second Hail Mary, which was caught by, of all people, creative player, Kevin White, on the one-yard line. He could not get it into the end zone, though. Mo, you were in Chicago again for this game, but unlike last week where you were fading Chicago with all those folks around you, you were rooting for the Bears. What did you take away from this game?
2: I don't know what you guys are talking about. We got
0: unlucky as hell. I no, mean, the what, Bears two special teams st- touchdowns? Stop. We, we got a lucky fumble recovery on a Cordell-Prattson fumble. Uh... Mitch Trubisky was terrible in this game. We did not deserve a cover in the spot. Two special teams touchdowns, and the Bears moved
2: the ball like I thought they would. Five point nine yards per play in this spot. Um, this could have very easily been a win. I mean, they just there was a lot of blown dicks in this game. So you know, whatever. I guess the squares got one on us here.
0: That that's really what I mean about the Patriots being back is other teams blowing up. Like, that's when you know the Patriots in form, when they're not necessarily outplaying teams, but the other team is definitely melting. But like I said, it was kind of one for one with all those bounces. You know, Cordero fumbles one, gets it back with a touchdown. And then the pump block was obviously a bit of a moose. But again, we, we had the Sonny Michelle fumble in his own territory. And on top of that, a million dropped interceptions by New England. Trubisky was awful. Yeah, I mean, he was good running the ball. Uh, yeah, but that's not his job. <laughs> I feel like uh, you know I, mean? I
2: feel like there's been way more blocked punts this year than any other season. Just, I don't know, just a feeling. Don't have anything to back it up. <laughs> uh,
0: I think that's all we have on that game. So let's go to the most annoying game of the day. I was a lone wolf on the other side. I laid the three with the Bucks. you guys took the three with the Browns, and it ended in a push, 26-23, in favor of Tampa Bay. Mo, you put this game on the card. Cleveland entered the game 30th in offense, DVOA, and they showed why they're a horrible team with a horrible coach, and I want nothing to do with Cleveland ever again, Mo. Never again.
2: Well, that's why you're a fish. And any, I'm picking any, any, 75% or whatever.
0: Any Anybody who laid two eyes on this game knows how bad Cleveland is.
2: Well, Cleveland should have just got us the full point here. I mean, I don't know how they managed to allow a 59-yard game. winner. They got the rock back with like two minutes left at like the 40 or something, didn't they? How, how the hell did this even happen? Um, but... I still, I mean...
0: They won the turnover battle by plus three against the worst defense in the league and could only score 23 points. This team is awful.
2: Well, I don't even know how they allowed 26, to be honest. When you look at this, Jameis Winston had zero TD passes. Um, The Browns are fine. They just, you know... They're going to Browns while they have this coaching staff. They need a new coaching staff. Just if everyone gets fired here, just get ready to fire over on whatever the Browns win total is next year because if they get anyone in here with a quarter of a clue, they're going to go eight and eight.
0: Can never take this team getting less than six points.
2: Well, they covered for me in real life, and I think it's complete bullshit that the. People, loom throwing out these Westgate lines just wouldn't give us the hook.
0: <laughs> just a fake line. DP, you've been on the Browns train as well. You obviously picked them, put them on your card. What you got in this game?
1: I mean, I agree with Mo. This is a thousand percent on the coaching staff. I have no idea what they're doing when but they we call know plays. This.
0: But we know how bad this coaching staff. Like you guys are surprised. Yeah, even
1: that you, you have said it. Todd Haley has somewhat of a clue. Like well, I don't understand. Maybe. I just don't understand. I don't get it.
0: 34 first downs by the Bucks to the Browns, 17. We were lucky to get a push, guys. We got I that mean, we, got that we were lucky
1: to get a push with the way that the game played out, yes. But going into it, I mean, this should have never been like this. How do you not move the ball against the Buccaneers? That's They're when, the worst team in the universe on defense.
0: Well, the Browns aren't good on offense.
1: They don't have But the Browns have a lot of like no, talent on no, offense. They, no they have don't. a decent quarterback. What do you mean they don't have a lot of talent on offense?
0: They have Jarvis Landry who can run three routes in the tree. They have David Njoku who's got all the talent in the world but is still not polished and that's it. And they got a bunch of idiots out there running routes.
1: You're telling me that the Browns talent can't or shouldn't be able to shred this Buccaneers defense? I don't They do- should destroy them. I don't care. The Rancho Cucamonga could destroy this stupid Buccaneers defense. They're so bad.
0: Fair enough, but I think
1: But they just it's that that to me is like it has to be the play calling. It just has to be.
0: I don't know if uh oh boy, Antonio Callaway gets on the pitch for Rancho.
1: <laughs> That's totally fine, but I have never advocated for giving Antonio Callaway the ball. Well, he is to.
0: horrible to me. It's either him or something called Ratley. No Brashad- you can give it to to Joku, per-
1: you can give it to Jarvis. You can give it to Duke. Duke is better than any of those two wide receivers you just named.
0: Brashad Perriman got burned. That's how you know you're in dire straits. Brashad Perriman. Yeah,
2: when you're dusting off the fake players, it's trouble.
0: But Brashad Perriman got a target in this game. You know, like that—that that is somehow a step after break glass in, cl- in case of emergency. Beyond that is get Brashad Perriman a target in a professional football game. This Browns team stinks. They stink out loud. Maybe a coaching change can help, but this <laughs> this is a, a three or four win team. They're an awful outfit.
1: I'm with Mo though. You you get this team any sort of coach and coaching staff and they're they're gonna win eight or nine
0: games. Well Baker I think, ba- easily Baker also might not be ready and or might be not healthy. He was pretty bad in this game. 34 attempts for 215 yards. Like that's not good.
1: Yeah. I mean, watching him play, it seems like at least that first game when he came in against the jets on Thursday night, he, I mean, he looked good, right? He was getting the ball quick. Things were opening up for him or he was seeing the field much better. These last two weeks against the chargers and now against the, the Tampa Bay here. Um, it seems like he's been holding the ball a ton. He's getting, getting sacked a ton. he got sacked five times in this game for 29 yards. Um, I mean, to me, that's that's like the old Andrew Luck syndrome, where they're calling these plays where the receivers are running deeper routes, and they're they're not just getting the ball out quick, just dink and dunk all over the field, especially against a defense like Tampa Bay, especially against them. The, Tampa Bay, if you just get the ball to, to people within like four to seven yards, Tampa Bay is going to miss three tackles. That's guaranteed, and you have a chance to to, to to you know turn seven yard catches into thirty yard gains every single time. We see it every week with this defense.
0: We touched upon it briefly, but let's just buzz through it officially. Colts 37, Bills 5. This was a horror show. Uh, Everything seemed okay at the beginning. We get nil-nil in the first quarter, but then the Colts dump on 24 points in the second frame. Totally whitewash. The Bills by game's end. Colts, 6.3 yards per play. That was .8 more than the Bills. Mo, you touched upon it on Friday. This Colts team is totally different when they have their weapons on the field. Mack looked great on his 19 carries, 126 yards, and a touchdown. Colts are a team that we trusted their defense, and now that their offense comes around, Mo, do you think that we're going to get any value on this team, or do you think that the public is going to jump onto these Colts a little quicker?
2: Uh, I would guess the first one, just because does anybody really give a shit that they whitewashed the Bills team that the public has not believed in the entire year? Um, I think I would look to probably find value on the Colts. I also feel like I've been... Completely robbed of my Colts over seven, as if they were healthy, and my and my uh, Colts win the division prop. Like this team should way be drawing live in this putrid division.
0: I mean, aren't they drawing live? You know, I mean they they
2: are in the sense that I don't like, think they're drawing the absolutely, but they're also
0: jags. Maybe are, jags not. are terrible. Titans are terrible. And the Texans just ripped off the absolute fakest four-game winning streak in the history of football. Oh my Honestly, God. this might yeah. be
1: a great time to buy the Colts' division. Yeah. I mean, because oh, yeah. you're going to be it's getting, getting odds. great odds. There if they if all these players can stay healthy for the rest of the season, I mean, that like you guys said, that Houston team is as fake as they come.
2: Yeah, and I don't think they've played too many uh, division games either. So exactly. They've definitely got a shot to put some losses on them.
0: Yeah, I mean— the the texans are 4 and 3 and they lead the division like i don't it's it's not that wild that the colts end up winning this division i i don't think you know 7 and 9 can win this division this could be the division where the weirdest shit happens and a non 500 team makes the playoffs because these guys these outfits are horrifying I can't believe the Jags. I can believe the Jags. Let me put it this way. The the hardest thing to do in football, defend the pass. And doing what they did last year and trying to replicate it a year again, it's just hard to do. You can't do what they did last year consistently. Too hard. You need guys to stay perfectly healthy, stay in perfect form. You need the ball to bounce your way a lot of times, and then all of a sudden they're playing with Bortles in neutral or even negative script, and then your whole thing goes to shit. I didn't even know because this game was never on red zone. Texans, Jags, never on the red zone. Guys, I didn't know Cody Kessler actually played in this game.
1: Yeah, Blake Bortles was absolutely atrocious. Chainsaw, Finally, Finally they just pulled him. But I just looked up this uh, this cold schedule for the rest of the year. I mean, run to the sportsbook. (laughs) Really? At Oakland, then they get a bye. Then they have three straight home games against Jacksonville. So yeah, Jacksonville's can be you know a formidable opponent against them, but they're at home. Then they get Tennessee at home, Miami at home. Then they go to Jacksonville, Houston. They get Dallas at home, the Giants at home, oh my and they god. finish at Tennessee.
0: Oh my god! I mean,
1: that's if that if there's a better schedule, I mean, find it for me because that looks great for them.
0: Candyland. If they win this week, who buddy? I'm holding out a hope now. Thanks.
1: <laughs> you got to bet it now, though, before because if they beat, the, they should beat the freaking Raiders, right? I mean, so you got to bet it now where well, the price is really good.
0: Ewing Theory with Amari?
1: <laughs> I feel like that team is so out on everything.
0: No Amari, I'm no Marshawn, Doug Martin, RB1, Jordy Nelson, WR1. Your 2018 Oakland Raiders.
1: With John Gruden at the helm.
0: <laughs> Anything else? The Bills. I should have just trusted my read. Not a professional football team. This, this. Now they have the decision. I mean, how do the defenders even show up for work when your options at quarterback are Derek Anderson and Peter? Fock? How? How can you? How can you tell these men to risk their lives and their? brain molecules for those two guys. How can you look them in the eye and say, oh, we're going with Peterman or we're going with Anderson? I don't know how you do it.
1: Bills on the other side are going to lose fucking eight games for the rest of the season. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> this is great. Like, and yeah, they've, they still have to play New England twice.
0: And that line, <laughs> I was doing my capping for the week, guessing the lines. Did
1: you get to the 30s yet?
0: <laughs> I think I guessed 13, and it is 13 and a half, meaning that uh, the Patriots, it's at Buffalo, right? Patriots would be minus 20 in Foxborough. Yeah,
2: in Buffalo, uh, Monday Night Football. Thanks for giving us that one in prime time, Goodell. <laughs> Thank you so much.
0: Bill's Mafia. All right, let's go to this one's confusing to me. There have been some like the
1: last week's primetime game or NFL football. I mean, you got the Giants and the Falcons, maybe the Giants turn it around. This one's just the Bills were never gonna be good.
2: Yeah, like you guys brought this one up bef- uh, or brought these up uh, before when you guys had said, Oh, well, they put some names on or whatever. Yeah. This one the this line was always going to be ten. <laughs> like
0: what were they thinking Uh Maybe they could squeeze some juice out of Josh Allen, the, new, the rookie quarterback versus the veteran. Maybe
1: the sickest yeah, thing—he wasn't start. He wasn't the starter at the beginning of the season when the schedule
0: was out. That's true. The the sick thing is NBC how well they've negotiated their deal. Like, did you guys know that this last week was a flex game? Chiefs Bengals was flexed. Yeah, like they can flex this early in the season. It's insane.
2: Yeah, you can tell because it's in the middle of a list of games on the betting thing.
0: Yeah, Honestly, the,
1: that went a little bit into the, the decision to pick the Chiefs because Andy Dalton getting flexed into primetime <laughs> probably probably soiled himself right there.
0: NBC, good job with your negotiations. The, you know they're paying less than ESPN too, right? But part of it, the, the main reason this is way be, inside baseball, behind the curtain television stuff, The reason ESPN pays more and has less control is because they pay more for the right to use the content because they have a million shows, NFL Live, NFL Countdown, NFL Matchup, that they get to use the footage for, whereas NBC, the only time they use the footage is for, like, I guess they have some highlight shows on NBC Sports, and then they have that Football Night in America show. And that's about it. That's the only time that they use NFL content. So NBC pays less, but they negotiated this flex rule, which is great. Whereas ESPN can funnel all this content out throughout the week, but they get the shitty Monday night games. And honestly, as a business decision, ESPN probably makes more money off of it because they have all these stupid shows. But their their Monday night football games are awful. Let's go to the late slate. This one, rule of they'll never give it to you easy. Uh, We had the slurs, minus two in the contest. Another fake line, Mo, that was made up out of nowhere. Uh, This game closed at Dallas minus one, I believe. 20-17 to was the final in favor of Washington. Washington jumped out to a touchdown lead. Dallas tied it by halftime. And then Washington extended out the lead once again in the second half. But lo and behold, the Cowboys threw a long touchdown to rookie Michael Gallup. Got the ball back thanks to Alex Smith not staying in bounds. Come on, Alex. How many freaking years have you been in this league? Dallas drives down the field inexplicably. The long snapper on a field goal attempt gets called with a snap infraction. Shouts to a loom for that one. Pushes it back to a 52 yard field goal which hits the left upright donks out Washington gets the win the long snapper whose name is escaping me now said that that is his routine he does the same thing every single time he only had one hand on the ball so that call was was really bad the thing is and if the slurs special teams coach did this on purpose hats off to him the only reason they called that is because the slurs jumped. And if they did that purposefully because he does that weird wiggle, even though it's not against the rules, then my hat is all the way off to Washington because because that is mega, mega sharp. We got the cover here. Mo, double middle fingers to the market. Washington is our squad. What you got in this game?
2: Alex Smith is still terrible. What is? Get down! Oh. Um, man, he's having just such a putrid year, but yeah, this line was so trash. Uh, can't believe they made us sweat. This, this game was way closer than it should have been. Um, Dallas got absolutely nothing going on the ground with, uh, Zeke Elliott and, just given that and given the way the game script was going, I was like super confident. I just figured, okay, Dak and negative scripting. It's a good pass rush. Cowboys going nowhere, but they managed to string together some drives and then Washington just like pretty much stopped moving the ball. And yeah, we had to sweat this one. I'm just like on the road. Um, Swiping down for reload on GameCast every three seconds to try to see. And then it just comes up final. Oh whew. Got him. Uh Nebraska zone. Brett Maher got me. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> Cowboys home road splits confirmed real.
0: And he kicked a 47-yarder uh, not too long before that. Uh What a weird one. The defensive touchdown, obviously huge. In a game where Washington, their offense, like Mo said, started cooking a little bit early and then just absolutely turtled. I mean, 178 passing yards. I know they were were feeding Purple Jesus himself, Adrian Peterson. He was one yard shy of 100. But this is the 2018 NFL. You don't get the lead and protect the lead. You get the lead and extend the lead. You you try to do, at least try. I know they're not going to do exactly what the Rams are doing, but you have to try and extend your lead, and they did not in this situation. DP, what do you got in this game? Washington is our squad, man.
1: Yeah, but can Jordan Reed start showing up? I mean, that guy to me just drives me nuts every single week. Um, yeah, I mean, Alex Smith almost blew the whole game at the end. I, I really have no explanation whatsoever he needs to be absolutely ripped apart in the film session all week long because that was unexcusable absolutely unexcusable not just sliding down there. you don't need the first down just go down that was that's 30 seconds off the clock right there Um, or at least it forces dallas to uh, have it or use a timeout and then they can't use it later on um yeah, Adrian Peterson looked all right. I think that we kind of expected this Dallas offense to look like they did. Um, and then all of a sudden, they kind of came alive in that last, what, five to six minutes. Cole Beasley, like, wasn't on the field or something all game. I mean, not that he wasn't on the field. He just wasn't existing in terms of the offense. And then all of a sudden, he was catching balls everywhere. Um, the Washington had that big breakdown on that on that long uh, long touchdown pass. And, yeah, I mean, it seemed like this – when is as according to plan, if you ask us, not if you ask the market. I mean, we thought that the Redskins should be favored here, probably by three in a lot of spots. I mean, we didn't really understand this line. We didn't understand the live line movement. Um, it was going that way all game, and then they made us work for it at the end, but, you know, we pulled it out.
0: Yeah, Mo brought up the biggest story, and that was Washington's defensive front, which wasn't really great in the ratings for football outsiders, but definitely had the talent with those two, quote-unquote, Bama boys. Up front, Zeke, 15 attempts, 33 yards. The Cowboys are never going to get things going when that is his stat line. Let's go to Monday night. (laughs) This game, man. We had the Giants plus five and a half traveling to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. This game closed, I want to say three and a half, three and a half, four in that range. So the market was on our side in this one and got off to a very rocky start. Both sides, a nil-nil first quarter. Nobody could really move the ball, and that's because both offensive lines were really struggling. But then Atlanta started cooking. Matt Ryan had 39 attempts in this game for 380 yards. He was shredding. Julio Jones was the recipient of much of it, 9 for 104. And then, of course, you had the Marvin Hall touchdown because every receiver not named Julio Jones has to score a touchdown for this team. Then all of a sudden, at the end of the game, in the fourth quarter, after looking like absolute trash for the entire contest, we somehow, some way, get a touchdown from... Saquon Barkley, and then the most miraculous (laughs) and meaningless OBJ touchdown with five seconds remaining to cover. The sequence of events there at the end was nothing less than comical. Uh, The Giants find themselves at the goal line uh, after a series of plays. They run two unsuccessful quarterback sneaks with no timeouts. The clock is running. There's no sense of urgency, and on third down, I'm not even sure there was a play called. Eli gets the snap, just kind of looks to the left, throws a prayer up to OBJ, who makes an unbelievably acrobatic catch, getting two feet in on the left-hand side for the touchdown. DP, we were screaming in the chat during this entire sequence. I'm not sure we deserved it, but goddammit, I'll take it.
1: That is right. We will take it. I mean, the, You said that you don't think that the, there was a play call for the last play. I don't think there was a play call for the last two plays. After that first sneak, I feel like Eli just got him to the line and tried to sneak it again, which I can't really blame him. Um, and then they just had to obviously freak out at the end with that with that pass, which is just get everyone set, and then he just threw it to the corner, and Odell went and made a play. Um, and then just in general, Odell making plays, they need to get this guy the ball more. I mean, he had eight for 143 and a touchdown, and – it, it seemed like there, that offense just stalled when they didn't throw him the ball, and then there was times when they started feeding him a lot. You and I were both yelling in the chat, um, just feed him, feed him, because he was open, he was making things happen, he was finding that space. The, the Falcons' defense is not good. Um, and then you touched on uh, the offensive lines uh, to open up the segment in this game. I, I feel like when teams don't have a good offensive line and your offensive line is just prone to letting rushers get in, I feel like teams just need to go to the shotgun more. Give that quarterback an extra half second back there, as opposed to getting him through a drop. Um, there was there was definitely times when Barkley. Uh, I mean, I don't know if he's. I haven't paid attention to this too much all season, but I don't know if he's been a good blocker all season long. But he was getting blown up in a lot of spots trying to pick up um, some of the additional rushers coming from the Falcons, and I was really surprised with that. Just given all the all the love that he gets, you know, his size, his stature. He's he looks like a guy who's able to block a lot, but there was definitely times when. Um, he was blown up a bit by either a linebacker or a defensive back coming into the backfield.
0: Well, I don't think Saquon Barkley should ever be pass blocking. That's the one thing. I would rather put a tight end back there and get Saquon on a route because you're just wasting Saquon's talent by having him pass block. Uh, another thing on Saquon, so Barkley ends this game with 10 targets, and it's partially because Eli is not aggressive and he's just dumping the ball off. But a lot of it is kind of the routes that Saquon runs. He runs just those classic flat routes out of the backfield. And for me, to your point about OBJ, instead of running these little flat routes where he's actually catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage, why not just keep running shallow crosses for OBJ? At least get the ball one or two yards down the field. And as great as Saquon is, I really like the ball in OBJ's hand. In the open field, just because he is so lightning fast and he makes great decisions with the ball, they need to scheme more opportunities for him. And they did scheme a really nice red zone play for him in uh, I forget what portion of the game. And Eli just held on to the ball uh, and didn't throw it. It was a fourth down play. Eli inexplicably tried to roll out and then thought about running it and then threw a prayer to a double-covered tight end. I believe it was uh, Red Ellison, maybe. But all he had to do was just go with the first read and just get the ball out of his hands, get it to 13, and he just refused to do that. Uh, Mo, are the Falcons at all sneaky, or is this just them eking at a win against a one-win Giants? Team? No, no, not sneaky.
2: <laughs> this team just is great on offense, especially at home. That's why I said I didn't want to fade them. Um, anymore at home. But stop, Rich. You said you don't know how. You know exactly how this happened. <laughs> play the music.
0: Gotta play it. Julio Jones? Card carrying member?
2: Card Carrying members, Key Dude, their fingerprints were everywhere in this game.
0: Key fumble by Quinteris, Julio Jones there,
2: <laughs> uh. and then just man, it loomed. They hung us out to dry all day, or all week, and then like like the cavalry riding up over the hill that you didn't know was was back there. They just showed up in force on Monday night to remind everyone of their powers.
0: It's like Gandalf on the hill in the two towers. Not to get too nerdy. But yeah, they they came and they saved the day. Unfortunately, DP, we got the cover, but that Julio game cost us a fantasy game by 0.7 points.
1: It did Well, yeah, the fumble did. I mean, I, can this guy get in the end zone? I don't understand. <laughs> He's 882 yards in the season. He hasn't scored a touchdown.
0: I don't get it. I I was
1: I, I will say there has been a couple of times when Matt Ryan has missed him deep. They have scored a lot of deep balls. I mean, the Marvin Hall one yeah, <laughs> this week, the, they've that. scored a bunch to, to um to Ridley as well. But on some of these deep balls to Julio, he's he's missed him. Like yeah. ones where he's Julio could catch and just walt walk into the end
0: zone. Yeah, end of the first half, they run uh I think it was a sluggo route, and Julio broke open. And on the broadcast, as Matt Ryan hit his back foot. I think it was Booger. Booger just yells, he's got Julio, (laughs) and he uncorks it, and it's a bad throw. Whereas, just like you said, that Marvin Hall throw was perfect. So I guess if your name is not Julio, you're going to get a perfect deep ball thrown to you. But if you're 11 and an extraterrestrial and one of the greatest I've ever seen to do it, I guess we just have to make it more difficult for him. We have to throw him poor passes and make him make great plays. I guess that's the thing. So two two and one, we we scraped out a two and a half point week. DP, I'm, we, I'm still not. Can we
1: talk about going for two down fourteen?
0: I'm still not positive. Uh, yeah, I and I, how
1: the, how everyone melted.
0: Yeah, I read a very succinct explanation of why that is smart, and I was very happy about doing so. Basically, what it boils down to, and this is something that I don't know Mo if you've brought up your uh your up a field goal analysis on the podcast or just on twitter and in our thread so basically it is it behooves a team to try to win the game in regulation as opposed to try to tie the game because if you're playing to tie then your chances of winning are vastly lower because then you have to win in the overtime period which at best let's call it 55 percent at best to win in overtime. So if your percentages are higher to tie in regulation, let's say you're 90% to tie, that means you're actually only like 45% to win because you're not playing to win in regulation. Cue the Herm Edwards sound that I don't have. So what the Giants did and what Doug Peterson has previously done is by going for two in that scenario, you you increase your winning percentage in the regulation period, which increases your overall percentage of winning. And DP, I just think people are scared at math. Like, they're afraid of mathematics.
1: Well, the, the commentating crew freaked out yeah. on the air.
0: Even afterwards, like, Booger was presented the information and he went to Twitter and still just rained down judgment. Mo, need math, need common sense coach. I can't believe Pat Shermer actually did that, though. I can't believe he is a math guy.
2: Yeah, this was uh this was cool and then this has like really opened my eyes and I've enjoyed like reading some of the stuff and the math behind it actually. Uh, it's pretty interesting and 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 once you read it it makes a lot of intuitive sense. So uh yeah, let's just let's just keep going for two. I mean, you're going to need two touchdowns anyway, so you might as well try to win the game and if you go for two earlier, you know what you have to do later in order to tie or win the game. So um especially with the new extra point, this makes all the sense in the world.
0: And on the road too, overtime winning percentages have to be, it has to flip. It's probably like 55-45 in favor of the home team. And when you're, you know, five and a half point dog, let's say that those percentages get even worse. Let's go at 60-40. So you cannot be playing for overtime.
2: Yeah, that's another thing that people were pointing out with the math on on Twitter, the stuff I was reading. The worse your team is, the more correct it is.
0: Right, because your overtime chances are inherently lower. That's why I commend the Titans, although the play call sucked, for going for it in London. You're six and a half point dogs on a neutral field. Vegas is saying that you are almost a touchdown worse than the team across from you. Of course you go for two in that scenario. Somebody was saying that the Titans outplayed the Chargers in the second half and they had the big M word, momentum. So they should have taken it into overtime. No. The Titans are touchdown dogs on a neutral field. They have to go for two. They have to try to win the game right there.
1: And I think people assume that that once, like in this Giants game, I think a lot of people assume that once they went for two that first time and missed it, that they're done. Well, you just go for two the next time.
0: Right, exactly.
1: You're not out of it. You can still tie the game.
0: Man, oh, man. Math. People are scared of math. You play to That's win right, Herm. the game. You don't play to tie. You don't play to I get feel- to overtime.
1: I feel like there's enough there's there's been enough football played in the grand scheme of things that that you could just hire somebody super smart, run a billions and billions of numbers and simulations and everything that's happened, and you have a correct mathematical play for every situation on the field. Pretty much. This is when we go for it, this is when we don't, this is when we do this, this is when we do that. It seems so easy, but they're they're just out there these coaches based on gut, really. Oh, this is what we do because this is what's always been done.
2: The or they're making the
1: decision based on, you know, if it's going to allow them to keep their job for another year, which I can't necessarily fault, but that's not how you should be thinking. But that comes from the top, too.
2: The the funny thing is, um, the, the, the math behind this has actually been around for like years. And this is actually, I think, going for two, this is actually on the old school chart, I think,
0: because people have done this in the past. Hmm. It's funny, like Donnie said. If someone were to just pay football outsiders for the win rate of certain down and distances, they would pretty much know what to do on every play. Right? Doesn't mean you're going to execute. But you would so know.
1: hire some some genius kid for 150K. You, you guys have billions of dollars. Get out of here. <laughs>
0: it's like the timeouts guy. How how do we not have somebody? That their sole job is to tell you when it's correct to take a timeout. Ho-hum, the Rams do. Because McVeigh is sharp AF. Light years ahead, as Joe Laker would say. 2-2 two, two, and 1. I'm feeling a little bit better. This podcast has given me a little bit of juice, fellas. Thank you. I appreciate you for that. Follow these guys on Twitter. At Donnie underscore Peterson at Mo Nuwara. And you... Double W-A-R-A-H. If you are an iOS user and you have not already, what are you waiting for? Download the SharpSide app, make your picks, track your picks, follow the leaderboard. If you think you have a good angle on a game, leave an advice nugget. Let somebody know that you think or you know that such and such is going to cover against so-and-so because of X and Z. How about that? Give some advice. You can also follow us on Twitter at GridIronGamble. And we beg you to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. All of that helps us tremendously. The next time we talk to you will be on Friday where we submit our super contest card. Until then, enjoy your week. Peace out.